God is great, greatly to be praised from the rising of the sun until the setting of the same. Our God is worthy to be praised. My name is Brandon Reddick, and I have the pleasure of serving here as the lead pastor at the Bridge Church, where we exist to develop fully devoted followers of Christ in a multi-ethnic context. Let me say on behalf of our elders, members, all those who attend the Bridge Church, our staff, we say welcome, welcome, welcome to each and every one of you on this Lord's Day. We hope that something has been said, saying, or done so far that, has, that will or has encouraged you in, on your Christian journey. To all of those who are, drive, who are attending via live stream, we say welcome to you. It is a pleasure, a pleasure, a privilege, and an honor to have each and every one of you on this Lord's Day. My assignment this morning is to preach God's word from Matthew chapter number 15, beginning with verse number 21. Matthew chapter 15, beginning with verse number 21. Hold on, hold on, before you, let me, let me do a little intro here. I'm supposed to be working on that. All, most of my life, I have felt like I do not fit in. I felt like an outsider, even as a young boy, which was not that long ago, Devin and DJ. <laughs> you too, Dominic, not that long ago. I had this sense of calling on my life, so much so that my nickname coming up was Preacher. That, that's what I was called, was preacher. Everywhere I went, everyone that knew me knew I was preacher. To this day, when I go back home, I'm called preacher. Well, I guess it's accurate now, but. <laughs> but because people knew me as preacher, because I was strange, I was different, I just never fit in. I wasn't the one that you were going to invite to the house party. Their fault, they're bad. <laughs> I am the life of the party now. Y'all know that. Y'all see me. Y'all see me. I know. Y'all don't want to party without me. <laughs> I always felt like I was the outsider. God showed up in miraculous ways, paid for me to go to college, and then I went to this school called Texas A&M University. And, uh, well, let's just say, there are not very many people at Texas A&M that look like me, that talk like me, that thought like me, that shared my convictions and my worldview. I was felt like a fish out of water. Once again, in this new context, I felt like an outsider. And then God graciously allowed me to be admitted to the seminary of seminaries, Dallas Theological Seminary. 
Don't be jealous. Don't be jealous. Once again, we're talking about a seminary who 60 to 70 years ago did not allow people that look like me into their institution. They denied people that look like me, black people, pastors, black pastors, black preachers, access to higher education so that we would be equipped to, to preach God's word to our people. And then there, we had no access to the professors, no access to the blessings of the, the networks that come with being in a seminary, no access to the library, the books, those authors. Once again, God made me an outsider. And then my last, after my last year, or during my last year of seminary, God sovereignly sent my resume to a place called West Evangelical Free Church. In Wichita, Kansas. I had to go look it up on the map. <laughs> and then, you know, they reached out to me, asked me if I was interested in this potential role of a church planting resident. And so what do you do when a church reaches out to you? You go to their website. And the first thing I do is I go look at the staff page. Because that says a lot about a church. I look at the staff page, and they look like most of y'all that's in this room right now, not me. And so when I get there to the assessment, they ask me, what kind of church are you going to plant? And they are expecting to hear me say, I'm going to plant a black church in a black community. But what they hear was, if y'all expect, I don't know what got into me in this moment. I told, in this moment, I told them, if y'all expect me to plant a black church, y'all got the wrong dude. God has called me to plant a multi-ethnic church. My wife and I got on the plane going back to Dallas after the assessment, and we both looked at one another and we said, you know they're not going to call us, right? Three days later, they call us <laughs> and ask us to come on as the church planting resident. And the Lord brings us to Wichita, Kansas, a place where we were outsiders. We had no family, no friends. We didn't even have any money. We had what was at that time us four and no more. It is lonely. It's isolating. It's frustrating to feel like an outsider. Some of you can identify because you too have been in situations and places or in, or in a situational place where you feel like an outsider. Have you ever felt like a misfit? Have you ever wondered why people don't invite you to the parties? And by the way, just so y'all know, this is free. This is just us talking this morning. I want to be invited, but I don't want y'all to expect me to actually come. 
I want the invitation with no expectation. All right, that's real. What do you do when you're on the outside looking in? You want what the insiders have, but you don't have access to it because you're on the outside. Sometimes it's because of your gender. People will make you an outsider. Sometimes it's because of your ethnicity. You will be made an outsider. Sometimes it's because you're a Westsider that you will become an outsider, rightfully so. But anyways, <laughs> there's a woman in Matthew chapter number 15 who's an outsider but wants the blessings of an insider. Go with me, Matthew chapter 15, beginning with verse number 21. Daniel, now you can stand. <laughs> Matthew chapter number 15, beginning with verse number 21. Matthew 15, beginning with verse number 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a, candidate, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. What'd you say, Jesus? And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. And Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on the mountain and sat down there. And great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put him at his feet and healed them, so that the crowd wondered. When they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish. And having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied, and they took up seven baskets full of broken pieces left over. 
Those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. Now, after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went into the region of Magadan. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For a year and a half at least, Jesus had been ministering in Galilee. He had been serving in the northern area of Palestine among the Jewish people. Miracles, signs, wonders, teaching of the kingdom of God. But after a year and a half, it was very clear that there was mounting resistance. There was mounting rejection. The pressure was on. So Jesus decides to withdraw from this area. And he enters into a place called Tyre and Sidon. And upon entering this region of Tyre and Sidon, he meets what I have told you is an outsider. Look with me first of all at this outsider's plea. This outsider's plea. Before we really can get to the heart of the, the story, we first need to set up her problem. Let's look at the problem of this woman. And her first problem is her demographic. The text identifies this woman not by name, but by two factors of her demographic. The first deals with her ethnicity. She is a Canaanite. For the Jewish reader or listener, they would have conjured up Old Testament references to the Canaanites who were their ancient enemies of Israel. This woman is truly an outsider as she is a descendant of the persistent enemies of Israel. No Jew would have anything to do with someone from this group of people. She, she had no standing before a Jewish Messiah as Canaanites were outside the covenant people of God. Not only was her ethnicity part of her problem, but also her gender was a part of her problem. In this situation, by the way, she's a woman. No Jewish rabbi would be seen in public or in private with a woman. This Canaanite woman has a real problem. She has no merit, no basis, no right to expect anything from this Jewish Messiah. But not only is her demographic her problem, but her daughter is her problem as well. Verse 22 says she came out crying to Jesus, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. This woman's problem is her daughter, her child. 
She says that her child is demon oppressed. And this is no mild form of demon oppression, but she describes it as severe oppression. And we're not sure exactly how this woman's daughter is being affected by the demon. However, we know from uh, the Bible that people with demon oppression, could, that could lead to blindness, deafness, being mute, epileptic, and even doing self-harm. This woman's home life is terrible. She's a parent and is unable to help her suffering child. Nothing renders us more helpless than watching our children suffer. So what does this Canaanite woman do? She turns to Jesus. She brings her problem to Jesus. She brings her child to the situation of her child to Jesus. She cries out to the Lord. This, she's crying out. And how does Jesus respond to this woman crying out? Verse 23 says, but Jesus did not answer her a word. Jesus, God, doesn't say anything. Put, put yourself in this woman's shoes. Nothing terrifies the soul like the silence of heaven. Beloved, what do you do when God gives you the silent treatment? How would you handle the silence of God? Have you ever been in a place where it seems like God is deaf or just not that into you? Have you ever been in a place where you desperately needed God to move on your behalf, but it seemed like he was preoccupied with other matters? Beloved, that's the situation this woman finds herself in. She goes to the one who makes the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the mute to talk. He can even raise the dead. She goes to the right person. She pleads. She cries out. But yet, he doesn't say a word. Some of you are in this room this morning. You are feeling like an outsider, not because you're demographic or your daughter, but because you have been crying out to God for the same thing for so long and you're not hearing the word. This woman, she's crying. She's in anguish, y'all. And she's crying out so much that she starts to get on the disciples' nerves. They are literally agitated by her. The second sentence of verse 23 says, And his disciples begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. Church folks just want him to be, give her what she wants and be done. And Jesus responds, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel, by her ethnicity alone, she is not qualified to receive the blessings of the kingdom. She's an outsider. She's excluded. 
So let's review. First, Jesus responds to this woman's request with silence. Then when he finally has something to say, he says, you're not ethnically qualified. This woman just can't win. All she is facing is obstacle after obstacle, challenge after challenge. What will she do? What would you do? We see her problem. Let's look at her persistence. And she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. He answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. I can see Tamara right now. Oh, no, you didn't. Did I call a name? My bad. Did he really just call this woman a dog? Yeah. See, I know some of y'all right now, those be fighting words for some of y'all. But let's be, let's just be honest. That'd be fighting words for some of us. <laughs> Truth be told. This, this, this is. This terminology is a racial slur. Now, to really understand what's going on here, we have to understand the language. There are two words in the Greek for the term dog. One word refers to the wild, homeless dogs who were scavengers. They would eat anything. They were dirty. And this is how Jews would refer to Gentiles, because like dogs, they just ate anything and were ritually unclean. The second Greek term refers to it, to a small household pet. This dog would sit under the children's table during mealtime. And it is that second Greek term that is used. So Jesus refers to her as a house pet. Y'all like, that don't make it that much better, Pastor. But, 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 but see this. Jesus' point here is not to demean this woman. Rather, his point is to emphasize the fact that the children have a right and a privilege to the food. The children take precedence over the dogs. The children are, are humans. They are more important than the dogs. It's kind of like in the Bible, we are image bearers, but that's another sermon. But watch this. Watch this. This woman who just got called a dog by Jesus, watch what she does. She didn't, oh, no, you didn't him. She agreed with him. She says, yes, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. 
this woman realizes that even if the dog doesn't have a seat at the table, at least the dog is still in the house. And she's, that's all this woman wants. She says, Lord, you ain't got to give me a seat at the table. Just let me into the house. Because I, I know that there's so much power in you that you don't have to touch a person. You don't have to do surgery on a person. They can just go and touch the hem of your garment and they will be made whole. I just want to get in the house. This, this woman helps us to understand something here. Instead of us getting so upset about being called a dog, maybe we need to realize we just like dogs too. We don't deserve a seat at the master's table. We are wild, homeless, lost sinners. The only reason we have a seat at the table is because of God's grace and God's mercy. So Jesus rewards this woman's persistence. Verse 28, oh woman, great is your faith. Be it done to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Jesus brings the outsider into the house. He opens the door for her and says, you can come on in. Why? Not because you deserve it, not, not because of your ethnicity, but because of your faith. Jesus commends this woman's great faith. Now, now, if this is important here, this idea of great faith, because we don't hear that in the Gospels. Normally, Jesus is talking about no faith little faith and he's rebuking them for their lack of faith and their little faith. This woman's great faith is in contrast to the non-existent faith of the Pharisees and Sadducees and even the little faith of the disciples. Question for the audience. What made this woman's faith so great? Well, we got to get out of here so let me give you the answer. First, she believed in the person of Jesus. She believed in the person of Jesus. Notice that she acknowledges Jesus as Lord on three different occasions. Now, 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 some smart people like Dominic, they would be like, well, you do know Lord was also used, would be culturally equivalent to our sir. So she could have just been could have been being uh, 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 respectful. And I would say, Mr. Berkeley, keep reading. <laughs> because not only does she call him Lord, but then she goes so far as to call him son of David. Son of David is a messianic title. And like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which he just had to tell off, she believes Jesus to be the long away awaited promised Messiah of the Jews. She believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And her faith is great because she believes in the person of Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God who has come to take away the sin of the world. But she also believes in the power of Jesus as well. 
She has a demon-oppressed daughter, and she says, Jesus, I know you can heal her. As a matter of fact, I so much believe in your power that she says that, that even, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the children's table. Watch this. The woman says, I don't need the whole meal, Jesus. Just let me have the crumbs. This woman so believes, she has so much faith in the power of Jesus. She says, God, if you just give me the leftovers. She believes in the person and the power of Jesus, but, 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 she, but she also has persistence as well. In the midst of adversity, remember what this woman has gone through. She, she doesn't let her ethnicity stop her. She doesn't let her gender keep her from Jesus. She doesn't let the silence of Christ stop her. She doesn't let others complaining about how loud her I mean how, how loud she is crying out in anguish stop her. She doesn't let her status as an unclean animal stop her. She doesn't let an insult stop her. She persisted. So the question for us, beloved, is do we have this kind of faith? What would, if Jesus was evaluating our faith, would he call, would he say, oh, man or woman of great faith? Little faith or no faith? Where is your faith, child of God? Y'all just got through singing about how he made a way. Do you really believe he will make a way in the midst of this situation? Do, 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 do you really believe that when you get the cancer diagnosis that that Two years later, you'll get a PET scan that's all clear. And the doctor says, let's take out your port. You don't even need that no more. Where is your faith? Do you have persistent faith? And let's be honest. If we had, had encountered, experienced some of the challenges of this woman, we would have turned around and left a long time ago. Let's get out of here. We see an outsider's plea. But then let's look at the provision for outsiders. That's our second story this morning. This is another feeding story. Verse 32, Jesus says, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. This crowd, I believe, in contrast to the feeding of the 5,000, this crowd is predominantly made up of Gentiles, outsiders. They are not yet the covenant people of God. Yet, the text says Jesus still had compassion on them. He has pity on them. He is sympathetic towards them. His compassion is so strong that he says that he's unwilling to send them away hungry. He's unwilling to send them away in the condition that they are in. He doesn't want them to leave the same way they came. 
Let me just cut across the field. Our time is well spent. This, beloved, this is good news. This compassionate Christ who's unwilling to send away outsiders because, beloved, here's the truth. This is us. We are the outsiders. We are the Gentiles. We are the needy. We are the hungry. We are the one who have nothing to bring to the table. But yet Jesus has compassion on us. Beloved, woo, the compassion of Christ is a reason to wake up in the morning. The compassion of Christ is a reason to give God praise this morning. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22 and 23 says, It is because of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Beloved, he says it is because of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. You do know that if we got what we deserve, we would be consumed by God's wrath. But because of his compassion, he doesn't give us what we rightly deserve, but he, he, he gives us what we don't deserve, and that's his grace and his mercy and his love. <laughs> Friends, Jesus is full of compassion. He met our greatest need by dying like an outsider. So that we could become insiders. Jesus is so full of compassion that he became what we were so that we could become what he is. He that knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. That's how compassionate our Christ is. He met our greatest need by becoming our savior. He's so compassionate that he made a way by becoming the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Christ is the way to be right with God. Jesus makes outsiders insiders. And so friend, if you are here today and you are outside the kingdom of heaven, I urge you today to be like this woman. You are desperately in need of Jesus. Put your faith, your trust, your hope, your confidence, your belief in Jesus today. Friend, don't you delay. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Jesus is full of compassion. Friends, for those of us who are already believers, you need to know no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are, no matter what you need, Jesus is full of compassion. He knows your need. He's able to meet your needs. Jesus brings outsiders in. He gives them a seat at the table. The text says that when they brought the fish and the loaves to Jesus, this is what Jesus does. He gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to the disciples. Rewind. Press play. He gave thanks. He broke them. He gave them. I've heard that language before. Jesus, on the night in which he is betrayed, he's having Passover with his disciples. And he institutes, he brings new meaning to this Passover meal what we now call the Lord's Supper. Here's what Matthew 26, 26 says, that he took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, he gave thanks, and he gave it. 
Jesus tells them after they drink of the cup. He says, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine again until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus lets them know that there's a day coming where there will be another meal. There will be another meal called the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation chapter 19 verse 9 says, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The bride has been made ready. And beloved, I look forward to that day when we will sup with our Savior at this supper. At this supper, hallelujah, it will be a multi-ethnic multitude of God's people. This marriage supper of the Lamb will be the new covenant people of God. It will not be based on ethnicity, but be based on faith in Jesus Christ. Beloved, at the marriage supper of the Lamb will be Jews and Gentiles. At the marriage supper of the Lamb will be blacks and whites. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, believe it or not, there will be some who were masters of slaves, and the slaves will be there with them. Even at the marriage supper of the Lamb, there will be Asians and Hispanics. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, there will be Pacific Islanders and whatever the other box is on the census. <laughs> Beloved, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, there will be Yankees and Southerners. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, let me really make y'all mad, there will be Democrats and Republicans. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, there may even be a handful of Libertarians. Let me make somebody really mad. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, there will be capitalists and socialists. And let me, let me really thin out our crowd. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, there will even be people who believe in CRT and anti-CRT. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, there will be rich and poor. I believe if Jesus were here, since y'all got me out here, all this stuff we arguing about in the church Jesus would tell y'all, ain't nobody got time for that. Because people are dying and going to hell. And y'all are arguing about stuff that doesn't matter at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I want to be there when... When, when, these, when he says, these are they that have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Here's my point, because y'all going to try to read into what I just said. Here's my point. Who will be there? Those who have responded to the gospel. And beloved, let's keep the gospel the main thing. So my question to you, friend, is will you be there? Oh, I know. I know I'll be there. Jesus, because of Jesus, I have a seat at the table. Because of Jesus, I will no longer feel like an outsider. Because of Jesus, I'll be an insider. 
I'll be there. Let's get out of here. Worship team, you can start making your way back. What are we to do? What are some things that we can do from today's word? I think it would be unfaithful of me not to emphasize this Canaanite woman's faith. Jesus commends this woman's great faith. And what's amazing is it's a Canaanite that has great faith. Not the Pharisee, not the Sadducee, not a Jew, but a Canaanite. It's a woman, not a man, that has great faith. This is what we are to strive for, saints. Great faith. How, how, how do I get this kind of faith? I think we have to be like the disciples who prayed to the Lord Jesus and said, Lord, increase our faith. A song that we sing oftentimes here at the bridge is, it's a prayer that says, give me faith. To trust what you say. Give me faith. That's the prayer that we must pray. Lord, give me faith. Give me the faith of this Canaanite woman. But then not only should we just pray for the faith, but then we've got to exercise great faith. Beloved, do you really believe God is able to, do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think. I know you believe the words, but do you believe God can actually do it in your life? Can he do it in your home? Can he do it in your church? Can he do it in your city? What is it where, where God is just waiting on you to exercise Trust in him. But we also need to have a persistent faith. This woman refused to leave Jesus without Jesus doing something for her. And as I said earlier, there are some of you in this room today, you are in a place where you've been praying and praying and praying. And you don't feel like God has responded or is responding. This woman teaches us that we ought to persist. We ought to pray until something happens. Keep pleading. Persist. I think there's something else for us, beloved. What is our attitude towards outsiders? How do we treat people who are not like us, that don't look like us, talk like us, think like us, vote like us? People that live outside of our zip code. Jesus models for us the attitude and the actions we should have toward outsiders. And that's something we've got to think about here at the bridge. When people come here, they're homeless. 
smell. They're not middle class. They don't talk like us. They have an accent. What is our attitude towards? Let's, let, now let me individualize this. What does hospitality look like for you as the people of God when it comes to outsiders? Who are you welcoming in into your life, your space? You're here today, and you are outside the kingdom of God. You are not a citizen of the kingdom. I plead to you is to put all of your trust, to surrender to the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, by trusting in him and him alone. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much. What our eyes have seen, our ears have heard. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus who hung, bled, and died for our sins. Now, God, as we respond now to the word that we've heard today, our prayer is that you would keep us near the cross. Father, now as we prepare our hearts and our minds to partake of the Lord's Supper, we look back to what Christ has done for us, but we also look to the day that we will share in a wonderful meal with him again. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Beloved, let us stand.